It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Well, welcome back, everybody, as we are in the month of March. And boy, that went fast, Laura. It feels it like really Christmas did. was right around the corner. Here yep. we are in a brand new month, which means a brand new series. And this one we're calling The Call. Now, I know you and I are both so passionate about this topic because there is something amazing that happens in your life when you really discover that God has created us uniquely. I mean, our specific set of strengths and our giftings and our areas that we're passionate about and what he allows us to experience, how he uses all of that as he has purposed to, to draw us into the call that he's placed on our lives. And so as you are beginning this month, if you know somebody who you just look at them and you think, man, they've been struggling for purpose. They've been struggling for um, kind of just kind of flip-flopping through life and not really sure what is it that God wants me to be doing. Would you share this podcast and encourage them listen throughout the month, because we're going to be focusing on how God really has a plan unique plan and how we can stir it up in our own lives as well as encourage somebody else, stir it up in their lives. Amen. I just love Debbie, how God is the writer of our stories. And I think when we look back and we see how he has worked together relationships and experiences in our lives, and he takes all of these things, all of these people and these places and experiences, and he weaves them all together in order to take us into the place where he is calling us to serve and to grow and to use our gifts. He's the great orchestrator of every part of our story. It's just fascinating. You know, over the past couple of years, the two years with Beyond the Building, you and I have shared aspects of our own personal stories, our own journeys. But today's podcast is actually going to focus on how God opened the door for me to discover while I was still a child, um, pieces of the call that he had on my life. In fact, we're calling this podcast Shepherding the Call in Children. Now, I, now you know, I've taught kids elementary and middle school for most of my adult life. And I have always found a draw in identifying the gifts in kids and giving them opportunities to use their gifts. But it it started when I was a kid. Yeah, I have te- I've watched you, Debbie. You know, I've watched you for years teaching kids. And it's just been so exciting to see how the opportunities that they were given in your classroom in elementary school have helped to usher kids into finding their place and their own call. I think that what went on in the classroom when you were teaching is so beyond what the norm is. Uh, I remember walking by and looking in the windows, Deb, sometimes and being like, oh, why can't I be in there today? Right. There was so much good stuff going on, but I'd love to just start with your backstory. Like what is your story? Uh, I know you've shared before that there was one woman who opened that first door for you. Yeah. That one woman, her name was Faye McCabe. She was, I grew up in a a small uh, Cromwell's United Methodist church in Ben Salem, PA. And uh, we had this little junior church program. Her helper was Mr. Gibson. In fact, all those years, I don't think I knew Mr. Gibson's first name. Uh, he was just Mr. Gibson. And he was that quiet helper. Like he, he didn't do any teaching. He just was always there. And Miss McCabe, you know, I, I don't think, I don't know that she ever really knew 
the significant impact, mm. you know, that she, uh, she made on my life. I remember she passed away and then uh, Mr. Gibson was still alive at the time. Laura actually wrote a letter to him mm. saying, wow. I've never thought to say, I never thought to say this to you, but wow. this is the difference you made in my life. Uh, because I think sometimes when you're doing things, you don't realize Right. God seen decades down the road, That's right? right? That's Every right. little thing um, adds up. So for years, and I mean years, uh, Faye, I called her Miss McCabe. So it's kind of weird for me to call her Faye, but at least I knew her <laughs> first name. Um, she showed up faithfully every week, you know, with a lesson. And when I think of how many hundreds of lessons I must have had from her, there were two that two at two moments with Faye McCabe that really have stuck with clarity in my head. One was we did this study on the tabernacle in the old Testament, and we actually took about two months to build the tabernacle. Oh, wow. So so we had the scriptures open and we were, we were learning measurements and how to scale it down of which we didn't understand any of that, but it's amazing how (laughs) all of the, all of the, um, not props, but the materials for building the pieces of the tabernacle. Do you know, it's amazing how they were already pre measured mm-hmm. and cut. Now as an adult, I'm going, she did it. Yes. Like she was probably up every night after work, many hours, cutting the fabric. And, you know, she just, she had all this material and she was teaching us about each place in the tabernacle. So mm. it wasn't like you're just building that you were learning about each of those mm. areas and the significance, but you were literally working from the blueprints, which was opening the scripture. And so yeah. I just, why do I think I remembered that so much? Because it was hands-on mm. and, and I'm a hands-on learner. And so that was something that really stuck out. But the thing I'm most grateful for, Laura, I was sixth grade. And, and Miss McCabe said, Debbie, would you like to take a turn at trying to teach a lesson in our class? You can mm. teach on the Lord's Prayer, and I think it might take you two weeks. Okay. Sixth grade, Debbie. Sixth grade. That uh-huh. puts you at what, like 11 or 12 years old? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. I taught fifth grade for several years, and that means they were like 10, 11 years old. And I'm thinking that is a pretty big... um uh, I don't know, honor isn't the right word I'm looking for, but that's a pretty big deal that a teacher would entrust a sixth grader, an 11 or 12 year old to handle the teaching of the Lord's prayer. Yeah. It's gutsy <laughs> yeah. or something. It's huge. And what I'm thinking is I'm thinking about, you know, teaching my fifth graders. And the first thing I would be, especially with something like Lord's prayer, like what if they teach it wrong? Right. What if they don't take it right. seriously? What if they t- say something that doesn't align with scripture? You know, like there's so many things I would be like, what if they go home and they tell their parents that they heard this being taught in school, you know, or in church? I'm just thinking my mind is going all over the place. That was a lot of trust that honestly, this teacher was um, entrusting you with quite a bit um, in this place. I'm just not sure that most folks would do something with a kid that age um, allow them to be the teacher in, in such yeah, a critical lesson. I, That's really amazing. I, to this day, I don't know what she saw in me that oh. prompted her to ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. I was like your normal fifth, yeah. sixth grader. Like I wasn't, yeah. you know, but maybe, <laughs> maybe God, maybe God stirred something in her. Mm. Right. I actually think that might be more the issue. Cause it wasn't mm. like I was jonesing to be up front. I didn't really yeah. like public speaking at that time. Wow. But I do know that she gave me an invitation and for some reason I accepted it. And I, I can remember 
coming home from school and just pouring into studying those lessons. I mean, I had notes and I made outlines and I found pictures. I mean, there was no internet, you know, so I was, I was trying to find pictures someplace like in a book. I had props and, and I laugh now because when people think what's, What's characteristic of the way Debbie teaches? Yeah. She uses props, right? <laughs> and I immediately, even in sixth grade, I was looking for something visual for when I would teach. Mm, I love that so much. And I can see it. I can see sixth grade Debbie pouring <laughs> over the scriptures and identifying props to go along with the scriptures. I totally can see it. Um, do you recall the reaction that the kids gave when you were teaching or did uh, your teacher give you any feedback? Like, how do you think the lessons went? Yeah. You know, and I think back, it was a small room. It didn't have good lighting. It's Mm. kind of like dingy yellow kind of hue in the classroom. And there was like one, like two long tables, kids sitting on either sides. I I can, I can picture Miss McCabe sitting in the back by the window with her little Mm -hmm. hands folded in her lap. And the kids were very quiet. I mean, Laura, they could have been sleeping. I don't know. (laughs) When I think back to those first two lessons for all the work that I put into them, um, they were, I really think they were snoozer of lessons. Now, no. granted, I'm I'm comparing the, what would the 55-year-old Debbie do to teach the Lord's Prayer yes, versus yes. a sixth grader? Right. Right. And so I just know they were well-behaved probably because they were asleep. That or kids just were really well-behaved back then. I'm not really sure. But what I do remember is I loved it. Like I loved the prep. I loved teaching. And she thanked me. She probably gave me a little side hug. And then a few months later, she asked me to teach again. And I could hardly, hardly wait. That is so amazing. What a great moment that is for you. You know, I've known you since we roomed together at University of Delaware and you were 18. No, 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 no. I was 18. Yeah, and you correct. were 19. It. That's yep. right. And uh, I just feel like you've been teaching both kids and women for that whole time that I've known you. And that was a very long time ago. What, like 1987, 86, 87. And I'm blown away, honestly, at, at the impact that one woman who Mm -hmm. opened a door for you to teaching, like she made a huge impact in your life. Mm -hmm. And I was on staff, you know, at the same time at the same church with you while you were a children's pastor and a, I loved every minute of that too. But, you know, I watched you make it a part of every week to do something that I hadn't seen before in other children's ministries every week in your class, you would have kids uh, use their gifts in a variety of ways. And I know, and I know that there are plenty of parents, myself included, because Emily was one of those kids, um, where the fruit of that has been tremendous. Like you are the Miss McCabe of today for so mm. many kids. I think there's so many kids that would look back if they were going to be doing a um, a podcast or an essay or whatever it might be, something in their journal. You know, how did you first learn to to do something for Jesus? It would go back to Miss Debbie's class, you know? So I I would love it if you would share some highlights of the theory behind why you place such an emphasis on this kind of discipleship with your kids, and then maybe give some uh, specific examples of the roles that you had kids play. It's interesting. You use that word theory. I would take it even a step further and say it was like a belief system. What is Mm -hmm. your belief system about kids ministry? I I think it is a calling. Kids ministry is a calling. Not everybody Mm -hmm. loves 
to spend a lot of time with kids. I definitely did. I do believe it was yes. calling, yes. but, but I think a belief system um, falls in a number of a couple areas. We'll just kind of walk through some of them today. Uh, number one, kids ministry is not childcare. Yep. You know, a lot of people come to a church. Do you have a children's care, childcare for my child? It's ministry. And in from nursery on up, you're loving and you're praying over kids and you're teaching kids. It's ministry. You have yep. an opportunity to build the next generation of leaders in the church. Man, that is so powerful, Debbie, because if that is what you stand on, right? If you stand on the fact that kids ministry is not childcare, it's ministry and building the next generation, then every teaching opportunity and every conversation and every interaction that you have in that time, it really provides an important opportunity to do exactly what the Bible says for us to do in Proverbs 22, six, to train up a child in the way they should go. I mean, If you're going to stand on the fact it's ministry and not childcare, then that's what happens with every conversation. They are important opportunities to, to do what God's told us to do in the book of Proverbs. I remember taking the kids to overnight camp, you know, for all those different years. And the director of the kids ministry program for the district said, you know, there'll be a lot of impactful moments of teaching and worship and skits and things like that for the kids. But the number one difference maker in the lives of these kids is you, Mm. is your interaction, you know, so whether you are teaching or whether you are, you know, playing tag on a playground, you, you are the difference maker. Your love for those kids is going to plant seeds that nobody can take away. Amen. That's right. And and that really makes, it makes the Mr. Gibsons who was just the quiet helper alongside, you know, uh, a huge you know, a huge blessing for, for my life personally. I think another part of that belief system is that it does take a village. It takes a team, right? For kids ministry. And each of us plays a critical part in the raising of these kids for the Lord. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen: teach them to your children. This is about the law, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So I could paraphrase it like this. Teach these principles to the kids in your program. Talk to them when you are sitting at McDonald's, when you're on the bus on the way to camp, when you are helping clean up, when you are going to watch them play a sports game. Like all those moments are teaching opportunity moments. Amen. And it's not just like, I only teach you on Sundays. That's I right. only teach you on Wednesday nights. You have every, any interaction. You know, I'm not a children's pastor anymore. But I had a neat opportunity a couple of weeks ago at a worship night at our church. One little girl, she did not want to go down front during worship where the other kids were. And her dad was trying to encourage her. And God's like, go back and just stay with her. Now, this is a little girl I'd had in class, you know, when I was a kid's pastor. So I'm not in that role anymore. But God was just like, just go back. And I just, you know, I sat with her. I kind of gave her a hug. And we worshiped together. Or at least I worshiped and she watched you know, yeah. from 20 rows back, yeah, but it yeah. was like, you still have that opportunity to yeah. just surround kids and encourage them in the Lord. So in this village idea, this team approach, you're looking for folks who have specific skills to come and add something into your class. Most people are not beating the door down to come be there all the time, but they do have something to offer. And if you can look at your team of adults and teenagers and say, what can they do? Let me bring them in. 
This is yeah. part of building that team approach. Yeah. I think one of the things that I noticed about your team, because I did watch you build a team for all those years, um, was that your being a part of Miss Debbie's team for children's ministry was the place that people really wanted to be. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be real. It's where one of people wanted to be. And I think it's because you identified people who wanted to teach, right. And who wanted to support. And I think sometimes in ministry, we just put people in any position, but when you know what somebody's gift is, when you brought people in who wanted to teach, and then you built a team with people who wanted to support people were thriving in the place where they were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And some of the people that you brought in, they were regulars, right? They were there on a weekly basis or every other base, Mm -hmm. which is cool because then the kids get to know and identify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. build a relationship. But some people just came in like, because they had a special skill that they wanted to share. Love that too, because I, I would watch you kind of scan the, the crowd, right? Scan the congregation who might be somebody who could pour into these kids' lives. And I remember uh, there was one time when you brought in a woman who had lost her sight, uh, who attended our church, but uh, talk about an amazing woman. Yes. And she just adapted amazingly. She did all the things. She used to make me earrings out of crystals and yes. she made me slippers out of uh, croton knitting. I mean, just the things that she did were amazing. And so she was the perfect person to come in and teach your kids about how to be compassionate to people with disabilities or how to encourage someone with disabilities, how to communicate with somebody who can't see, but you know, you can see them. When do you talk? You know, how do you, how do you help somebody like that and not cross over, you know, the boundaries that you should be crossing? So I just love the fact that you, you intentionally built a team of adults for different um, opportunities throughout the week and throughout the month. Uh, it just really was a, a really big joy to see you build that team and then that team thrive in the place where they were positioned. I remember seeing some real fruit come out of that particular class yeah. with her. And one of the things she said was, when you are walking down the hallway and you see me coming, mm. I don't see you coming. Like kids mm. don't think about that. So yes. she she shared something with them. We role played it in class. Mm. So as a kid, we practiced walking past her and, and saying hi by name, called yeah. her by name. This yeah. is, this is pastor Debbie. It's great to see you. Yes. And, cool. and she said, you're welcome to come touch me in the arms so that I know that you're standing right there because I can't see where you are. So she had him practice. Cool. And then the reason why this meant a lot to me, because, you know, we walk in the hallway at church quite often and I would see her come down and that kids would do it. Wow. They were like, hi, miss, you know, and then she'd oh. call her by name. This yeah. is, and they would identify themselves and they would ask something, you know, like, do you still have that really cool phone on you? And, oh. you know, it was just neat, but you saw fruit yeah. in that. And she felt like she was part of it. That's cool. Right. She was part of the team and it wasn't like a regular thing, but she had an opportunity to pour in these kids and it gave her a sense of purpose. The kids really learned something from hands-on experience. And I loved it. The whole thing is a win. Amazing. So the next thing is um, just in terms of this belief system, or like you want to call it a theory that Jesus valued kids and what they had to say. Remember that in Matthew 19, 14, all the kids you know, are flocking around Jesus. The disciples are trying to push them away. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He valued what kids had to say. Amen. And I think, you know, kids like to be heard. They like to ask you 1 million questions. 
And parents that shoo <laughs> kids away all the time get a message that they're they're an interruption, that mm. their voice does not matter. And I always tell kids, you know, Jesus was cool because kids flock to him and kids do not mm. flock to uncool people. There you, you go. <laughs> they, there you go. That's right. I, they, he was definitely cool. So one of the things I took that verse and I incorporated into a regular routine for years, part of our program, we had a, a midweek service, like a Wednesday night, as well as Sunday. And I started to look at my fourth to sixth graders as the older examples for the first to fifth graders. Mm. I was always big on the older teach the younger. And I think part of that was the sixth grader in me that was teaching my peers Mm -hmm. and younger. So I started um, slow, you know, started slowly with one or two kids and it it became very popular. So I had a schedule the entire year on Wednesdays and Sundays where one of my fourth to sixth graders would share a one to three minute testimony. Mm -hmm. And I I taught him how to do it. He always had to have scripture and something that it means to you. Uh, these are things that I had parents work with kids at home, because again, you want something that's not going to be uh, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So they would work and they said, Hey, bring some props, you know, like bring something, you know, to help teach your little thing at your little lesson. Yeah. And kids started off very nervous, but you praise them. And we always clapped for kids. We always clapped, you know, we're like, great job. And I always filmed it on my phone and I would send it to the parents because you could see them change and grow over Mm. the years. Mm. But that was just one way of valuing what you have to say Mm. really matters. That's awesome. And, you know, when kids feel that their comments matter, honestly, it's just like everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. When kids feel like their comments matter, that adults are paying attention to what they have to say, then they're going to feel more invested in the class um, and they take ownership Mm -hmm. and then they participate better and they learn. I bet that you saw um, in those years, kids really growing and maturing in their comfort level of speaking in front of the class because of these opportunities that you gave them. Oh, it was huge. I mean, I, let's let's put this out there. This is another belief system that Jesus looked in the present at each kid, mm-hmm. right? But he saw the future. Amen. Right. So we're Amen. looking at we, all we can see is what the kids are at this age, but God is looking at the future. Psalm 139, 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Amen. So I want Amen. you to picture the little blonde Debbie Kahn, mm. right? <laughs> Faye McCabe saw a Debbie Kahn and just gave her a chance. But God yep. was looking at ordained pastor. Yep. How yep. many people Amen. in front of us? How many people in front of us, Laura, whether they're a child or anybody, right? Yep. God, what do you see? Yep. And what's my part in helping somebody? So I, I would look at these kids in class and I would constantly be asking the Holy Spirit, Father, would you highlight any giftings that might be there? What do you see in this person as a 15-year-old, as a 30-year-old? And then what opportunity do you want me to give this child to step into their gifts? Even if it's a lesson that puts the class to sleep, what is, (laughs) you know, what is the opportunity for them? Oh, that is so, so good, Debbie. And I remember um, walking by the class or hearing conversation, whether it's through my daughter or other people, you know, you had kids that would lead worship back there. And, and I love it because, you know, it's one thing 
it's one thing to say here, you can sing this song, but they were picking the songs yep. and they were teaching the hand motions. Right. And they mm -hmm. were getting, uh, there were kids that were doing characters and they did skits. I just think it wasn't like, even in the worship that you were saying, I'm going to pick the song and then you can come up with the hand motion. It was just, you took your hands off of it and you mm -hmm. just allowed them to operate in their gifts. I think that's so cool. I remember you had a, a boy who did puppet skits that he came with. I mean, that was so cool for the kids. You know, I'm thinking of some of these kids, they came up with these characters, right? The, this, they had actually a name, a persona they took on. They were inspired to do that by a woman who did it on a main platform at their mm. big weekend retreats. Oh, they wow. They came home and said, can we create oh, wow. a character? And I'm like, wow. go for it. Wow. Well, they, they became very comfortable with this character. And then they asked me to teach a class from the main platform at this kid's weekend away. And wow. I said, I'll bring the kids with me. So now I'm up there with kids from our class doing what they've been doing in our class. And share, one girl shared a testimony. She was like second grade. In front of like 400 kids. Amazing. Right. But they've been doing this on a Sunday Amazing. or a Wednesday. So it's just like that. You know, God put a bigger platform. It was only natural. Pull them up there. Amazing. 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 Which you talk about taking it now to kids camp. Like how about as they get older, right? They age out of your classroom because there's only so long they can be there. Right. And even when they were no longer in your classroom, they, you brought them back and they ran yep. PowerPoints and they ran the sound system. Right. And they led small groups. Mm -hmm. And I recall uh, the first time one of your kids who had grown up and was now older than the age limit for the class, uh, she was so comfortable with what had been going on for so long that um, she wrote a lesson and she taught it. And I remember she led the entire class, mm -hmm. not just a lesson, Deb, but like the entire class. Mm -hmm. And you had, obviously you had adults in there to supervise because she was only 14 years right, old, right. but how amazing, right. That you had a 14 year old run the whole class. And you're talking about like 35 kids. Yeah. Yeah. And like keeping Wigley, it all under control. Yeah. Wigley yes. elementary school students. Yes. Yep. Laura, her name is Michaela Elliott. You and yes. I both love her yes. to the moon we do. and back. We do. we do. Um, and I just remember the progression of helping her share that little testimony, mm -hmm. right? She did really well. She really was prepared for it. Then she led worship. Then she's picking that she owned the worship piece. Yeah. Yeah. I would put yeah. the songs together, but she, yeah. she told me what to do. Then she helped me teach. Yeah. Right. Then she taught a lesson that I wrote mm. and then in front of me, then she would mm. teach a lesson that I wrote when I was traveling and having adult supervisor. And then came the day where she said, I would like to write the lesson. Amazing. And I went over to help her put together the PowerPoint and it was done already. Oh my goodness. Like I am not was, surprised. It was done. And I learned from her She's about amazing. some simple things using PowerPoint that I didn't know I could do. <laughs> That's so, awesome. so there's that. So you know, from that point on, I would say, honey, here's the days I'm going to be traveling. Mm. Would you be oh interested in covering? Wow. And she would, she would write lessons according to the theme that I was amazing. working through. And all I had to do was make sure that she had adults amazing amazing she was amazing laura next week what's happening Woohoo! super super excited to announce that next week on beyond the building michaela will be joining us oh, so to share her story of how god began her ministry journey as a kid 
in the kids program and what she is doing now. Man, it is going to be awesome, Deb. I, I'm super excited. What a remarkable young woman that we have had the privilege of watching grow up. And yep. we cannot wait to hear from her next week. So please uh, join us again next week. I know that you will want to hear uh, more about Michaela's testimony, how she grew because of her opportunities that were given to her back as a kid. Um, she's part of the next generation, right? She's yes. a young college student. And we know right now God is doing some massive things with young college students. Mm -hmm. She is walking in her call. I can't wait to hear from her uh, when we come together again. So thanks for being here. You know, if, if you're even working in children's ministry, there's some great takeaways here mm -hmm. and how you can encourage kids in their call and see them, you know, getting ready to do what God has purpose for them to do. So, mm -hmm. um, you can share it with, uh, anybody else, you know, in children's ministry too. I think it's a lot of great insights here. De thanks for sharing Deb. Very, very encouraging, uh, what God's done. So take care and we'll see you next time with Michaela. Can't wait. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us until next time. Remember, you were created for more.